potentially a long one. What do you think, JP? It's Greg's Archive uh, podcast with host Jason Braymore presented by Bike911.com. What do you think? Mm. Long one? Could be. The potential is there. It just depends that since we've been on the phone for an hour already talking this morning, it just depends how much do we want to regurge. I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, look, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, if, I mean, I had a great weekend. <laughs> My Monday was I had a little a great weird. weekend. My, my Monday was a little weird. Monday, but I had a great Monday weekend. was Monday was weird. Tuesday was weirdest. You know, was like weirder, less weird, less. Actually, it was a Monday, weird. It was like, a strange weekend all around. Like, it was a great weekend. It was hot. We were. I'm stoked. We were at VIR. I thought the weekend had great racing all the way around. In every class, we had great racing. I felt there was nothing. There was no race that I could think about that wasn't great racing. Um, so I think that's pretty much what our job is is right to key in on some of that stuff and and um and go on and i mean like look we could do a podcast just on johnny ray's last corner at race two in portugal oh, could please we? stop could just oh do a we could just do a podcast on that i texted him yesterday wrapped I, was up in, and... I, was, I was in the airport and i was just going back over thinking about it because uh i told you i'm like i got off the phone with greg yesterday i'm like greg if you do nothing else if you don't watch another race because greg always gets the results and sees the results he usually goes back and watches the races but he's busy lately and i said look do yourself a favor just watch the second race on sunday and you're gonna just you're gonna love it <laughs> so anyways, i'm just sitting I, here shaking my head right now because it was yeah, unreal I, and i text johnny last night or yesterday you know while i was traveling and yeah he's he is a beauty. Like, I mean, if, if Dirt Track went to the right instead of the left, Johnny would yeah. be world champ. He'd be world yeah. champ of that, too. But yeah. anyway, we'll talk Anyways, about that more yeah, in this yeah, podcast. Yeah. We're going to talk about Moto America VIR. And, um, yeah, we're going to talk about Petrucci. Of course we are. And World Superbike, Estoril, and Orion, you know, Rye News. But like I said, this is the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. I'm Greg. That's Jason Bike911.com is the presented by sponsor. If you need some help, you get a hold of Alex Asante at bike911.com. You can get on that website, get a phone number, do something. If you need some legal help, you're in a motorcycle accident or you have a contract you need some help with, reach out, get a hold of that guy. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. There's also a link in this description. If you want to follow me on YouTube, I don't know why you would. I haven't updated content in a few weeks, but if you wanted to, gregsgarage.tv. I think what I'm going to do, Jason, because this is really critical to you and, and how you live your life, mm-hmm, is I'm sure. if, I, if I stream video games again, which I oh, plan God. on streaming video games again, I think I'm going to switch to YouTube <sighs> streaming instead of Twitch. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are just dying to go in there and watch you do that shit. It's great. Call of Duty, dude. You know, yeah, between, yeah, yeah. between that and Robin Hood stuff, man, your life is beyond exciting, huh? Buddy, off to Florida. <laughs> Tamara. Tamara got another national championship. You know, mm. it's uh, another opportunity for me to get my ass kicked. So well, I know but. I'm going to be tuning into this podcast next week just for those highlights, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Is that sarcastic? Hmm. We'll never know. Now let's get to our news presented by Arai. <laughs> All right. You know what I should do at some point? I, I, I promise people, I promise at some point when things slow down, I will have the Johnny Ray read. I promise. Oh, yeah. Well, don't forget, we had a sign made for us this week. We did. Mention that then. Because obviously, that plays right into this Arai thing, Jason. What was it? What did it say? Well, I'd have to look it up because I can't totally remember. Because I did show it to you, but who sent it to us? But anti well, I don't, know, I don't remember who sent it to us. But I, 
I ran up Jason, blah, blah, something. And then it said, talked about our antimicrobials. Antimicrobials. That's right. That's what a rye helmets have that you love so much. Those antimicrobials. You wear your helmet there in the summer months. You start sweating like a hooker in church. And uh, those antimicrobials help to keep things a little bit cleaner than if you didn't have them. AriAmericas.com. Go check them out because you love your antimicrobials and so do we. No, it was it was the 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 four people that came to visit us up They're on the so booth. They're so great, by the way. That made that sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved it. Uh, great. Awesome. Had a good conversation with them. It was a lot of fun. It was a good time. Yep. All right, Jason, how about some MotoGP stuff? The race calendar yep. is now down to 20 because Kimi Ring in Finland has been canceled. It was scheduled for July 10th. The homologation and geopolitical concerns leading the way for that cancellation. I almost kind of like the fact that it, not that Kimi Ring itself gets canceled, but that the calendar's down to 20 because, you know, <laughs> sticker shock of doing 21, going from 18 or 19, I think it's a little bit easier to take. It gives... Anybody who's who's got little injuries or whatever, another week to recover. I mean, I don't think they go. So now I don't think they race in July at all. I think they're off for the entire entire month. Are they of July, really? They got so. twenty races and they're off in July completely. That's amazing. Okay, well, yes, that's too bad, like you said. But man, I don't know why it matters so much. But for me, I get worn out thinking that those guys have to go through twenty-one races. It's like. Oof. that's a lot of races and i think they're supposed to go to like another extra one next year and another one after that even so we went from 21 to maybe 23 in a couple of years from 20 this year now so yeah it's that's a lot of racing man a lot of traveling uh, agreed it's a lot of traveling and it's a lot of logistics for teams and as you know well see here's the interesting bit it's really expensive right now to travel in the u.s and anybody who's making vacation plans is going what is going on but to go to europe from here is about half the price or, or a third of the price right now. But yeah, so so they're going to go, let's see, they'll go to Assen June 26th, and they won't return to race action until August 7th at Silverstone. That is a really good midsummer break for MotoGP. And I guarantee you, you know, and if you think about it, Jay, they're only, they're only four races away from that big break. Yeah. So they go to Mugello next week, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Then they go to Catalonia. And mm-hmm. then two weeks later, they go to Germany. Saxon ring and then yeah like a week after that so holy crap dude are we seriously like just peeking our head around the corner from june already yeah Yeesh. yeah it's pretty wild isn't it i mean yeah it's crazy it, it's it's uh it's the summer's here i mean it's gonna be here before long we had some heat this weekend obviously at, at our race and yeah uh, yeah we certainly did no oh, by the way you know i'm an hour and 15 minutes south of the track this morning overcast and 64 degrees the whole morning i don't even know what it is now but it's only supposed to be like 70 something so we 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 missed that we missed the like really good weather down here in the southeast but yeah it was what 92 90 somewhere between 89 and 94 degrees plus the heat of the track plus all that kind of stuff it it was pretty gnarly uh continuing on with the news august 7th suzuka eight hour will be a fun one jay kawasaki has confirmed that johnny ray alex lowe's and leon haslam will be the riders. I think it's been, what, two years since the eight hours run? So what are your thoughts on Kawasaki's team putting those three studs together? Well, last year when I was in, when I was over there for the Jerez and and Portimao races at World Superbike, I I was lucky enough to play golf with both Johnny Ray and Haslam. And Alex at the time was injured, but he was with us. And it was kind of fun for me because I'd already known that Leon was going back to BSB then. And I knew he was signing with Cowie 
uh, in BSB for the strict reason that he was going to be the third rider at the eight hour uh, because he's won it before and obviously Alex has won it before and Johnny's won it before. And so Kawasaki wanted to keep those three guys kind of core group together. So, you know, last October when uh, Leon knew he wasn't going to be with Honda anymore, uh, he kind of got back into the BSB with Kawasaki over there for the strict reason that those three would be the riders for the eight hour. So that was oh, kind of cool. a little bit of fun information that I had that I had already got, you know, last year. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. But man, I'll tell you right now, G Dub, August yeah. in Japan, hmm, brutal. Oh, I like, can't even describe it. Like, like if everybody that raced this weekend at VIR could go to that race and then go back to VIR, they'd be like, "Ooh, this is nice. VIR is <laughs> nice." You know. Well, I remember. So, I remember back in the day before. Um, you know, WADA, World Archery, or World Archery, the World Anti-Doping Agency got involved. Yep. People used to have IVs, right? At the eight right. hour, that would just be under your leathers. You would get, strip your leathers down, they'd plug an IV in you. Is that all yeah. true? That's dead dead true. And the reason that they wasn't... It, <laughs> did you have one? It, did you have one? You no, I never breaker? did. I wish I would have. But yeah. the thing was, is that uh, um, the thing that the thing that made that to where they stopped it was because not everybody had the accessibility to that, you know? It's that yeah. it's it's the only place I've ever been ever where I've literally seen not one or two I mean or not one but probably two guys actually pass out coming down pit lane on their bikes like pass out. Sheesh. Yeah, it's it's. I think I I think I told you the story. Um, I was doing Daytona Supercross as a pit reporter once. Jamie Little was with me as a pit reporter at the time. Travis Pastrana was one of his comeback trails. And he had crashed going over this little kicker that was on the pit side of the track. Because obviously there's pit side and, and racetrack side. And um, I had to run over there to find out what, what was going on. And the, there was already a doctor on scene by the time I got there. And he said, oh, Travis passed out. He passed out going over the jump. And he landed. And it was actually because he passed out and was so relaxed when he, when he landed, I don't think he got hurt that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think that that those things happen. Now, I will tell you this: one of the biggest reasons why they stopped doing the IV thing was because with FIM sanctioning, they're under World Anti-Doping Agency or WADA rules, and it is a big no-no that like, you can't have an IV in your arm. Like, yeah, you can't have a needle tap, you know, yeah. taped to your arm. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, any, yeah. For, for any reason. So that that was yeah. a big deal. But so that'll be fun. I I I always love looking at the results for the eight hour. What is interesting though is that August seventh is when Silverstone is. It's the same day as Suzuka, so we won't see any GP riders over ah. in the Suzuka 8-hour this year. Okay. As I just looked at the calendar. Um, how yeah. about this? American-born uh, Rossi Moore, listed as Hungarian in the Northern Talent Cup races. Um, it's like a like a road to MotoGP yep. you know, series for younger people. Uh, he won Oscherslaben over the oh, weekend. Wow. He won race number two on the last lap move. He won it by like, I don't know, 15 hundredths of a second or something like that. Uh, and he, he was leading the points heading into the weekend uh, where he finished third in race one, and then he won it. But their official website stinks so bad. Everything is like, other than news items, their 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 calendar, all this stuff is all from 2021. So I don't know what they're doing. They're they're in their second or third race. But I would have to imagine that he is leading that, that championship right now is Rossi Moore. Great. And uh, the next place they go is Saxon Ring with MotoGP. So let's see. When is that one? That's the 19th of June. So, yeah, so it's about next, it's three races away, I think, for MotoGP. Because mm -hmm. they go to, like you said, they go to Mugello, then Catalonia, and then 
and then I think Osterslaben. So yeah, I mean, and then that Saxon, Saxon ring, ring. Yeah, Osterslaben. I've raced there a bunch. So yeah, yeah like they I do know that track really well, right? Yeah, that's where Josh Hayes screwed me, and we could have won a twenty-four hour race. So we'll have to get him on at some point, and I'll hash it out with him. Who? <laughs> that old Josh retired Hay- guy. Josh Josh Hayes and I, the guy that doesn't really know how to ride motorcycles anymore. You know. You know how people love to analyze every word that comes out of our mouth, and somebody sent me a message saying like. Uh, when Josh Hayes used to race or something like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. look, man, what I was saying race. and implying <laughs> when he used to race full time, obviously yeah. he's racing now, but full time because yeah. Josh will be the one to tell you, I never retired. I didn't retire. Yeah, but he didn't. I just stopped racing full time. Nah, whatever. Well, look, you're only retired. Like, here's the deal for him. He came out and he just didn't have a ride and he didn't have a bike and he didn't, I mean, he would have kept racing. I'm sure of that. I'm sure he would have kept racing. So, um, brain did. but, but he's not going to, he's not going to go spend all of his you know, money that he's got to go race a motorcycle. That's that, that would be stupid. He's already been there and done that. So if the right opportunity was to come along, he's going to jump on a bike and go, if he feels like he can win on that bike, he's not going to jump on a bike. He doesn't think he can win on. So that was pretty apparent this weekend. <laughs> so yeah. it's, you know, it, yeah, I mean, look, you're only as old as you feel, and, and I've said it a billion times. These bikes now, GW, are, are they're more physical to ride, but they're easier to ride. Even the 600s and and, and the you know the different bikes, stock thousands and stuff. I mean, and I think that's why competition's as close as it is, because you can get more guys up at the front, but you've got to do the work off the bike and be fit and ready to do it. So, hey, Josh proved that again this weekend. Yeah, which we'll so, talk about now. Because let's get into the results for the weekend. G Dub, obviously, G Dub and I were were down there in, in good old hot Virginia track. I mean, great. Could you believe it's been? I think it's the twenty first edition of us being there. I think we went there in two thousand twenty one, and then um, was I think that was the or, sorry two thousand and one. I think that was the first year that we went. Two thousand. Two thousand was the two thousand was the first year we went. Are you sure? That, mm-hmm. It's when the track reopened. But I was Track riding for Yoshi we... 2000, and I don't remember riding a Yoshi Superbike there. Really? I don't remember riding a Yoshi Superbike there. And I didn't, I mean, not that I'd remember probably, but I don't I don't think I was hurt in 2000. I rode for Yoshi 99 and 2000, and I don't remember going to VIR. Okay. 2001, I remember being at VIR. So. Uh, anyway, it doesn't yeah, matter. I, I, we were at VIR. And, I'd have to do some. I'd have to do some research on that, but I'm pretty sure we went there. Yeah, we'll anyway. do your research and let's talk about some results. As Jake Gagne does the double this weekend, um, kind of back to his old self. I don't even know. He was never gone. Jake was never gone, and he continues to improve, which is even better still. So he ends up winning the first race by 2.96 seconds over the guy who finished second twice, Matthew Skoltz. And in the first race, Cam Peterson was able to get third. And Cam was only 4.8 back, which I thought was really encouraging. Uh, in race two, Danilo Petrucci was third. And Cam was fourth in that one. Petrucci was fourth in the first one. Um, Jake Lewis had an interesting weekend. He ends up fifth and seventh for the weekend, Greg. Um, PJ Jacobson did pretty well this weekend, I thought. Um, considering he didn't get to race in Atlanta, he had a seventh and a fifth. So... You know, there was, there's a lot of different storylines over the course of Superbike. Uh, our, our championship points are closer, obviously, now. Um, but when you start to look at what the weekend was about, I think Gagne, 
Gagne has come into the weekend a bunch of points down. He gave up a bunch of points at the beginning of the year. Obviously, we know what happened to him. It, uh, I think, what was he, third and a DNF at Coda. Then he had a DNF and a win in Atlanta. And he comes into VIR and just kind of kind of controlled both races. And broke the track record in qualifying, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. He's back to, to where he needs to be. He's flowing with the bike. He is very confident. Never cocky. Yeah. Um, and he's got everybody looking at him again. So he's, even though if you look at the championship right now, which has Petrucci at top four points ahead of Skultz and Gagne now back 13 points. So, you, you know, to put it in perspective, in the first three races, Petrucci scores 75 points, Skultz scores 60 points, and Gagne mm. scored 16. Now it's, it's, it's flipped on Petrucci where he scored, what, 29 points in the last three races where there obviously yeah. there's 75 points where for Gagne, he's just been win, win, win. So the two of those have the, those two riders are the only winners, right? Petrucci's got three Gagne's got three. The difference obviously is that Petrucci's able to score 13 points in race number one at VIR. <coughs> and that's, Excuse that's me. the difference. Yep. Bless you in that Sorry, championship. No, that was a cough, but apologize. I understand. Anyway, so that's the situation that we're in right now is you have a, a, a very well-developed, um, you know, attack performance-based Yamaha R1 that just keeps keeps getting refined, keeps getting refined. Beginning of the year, I think what, you, what you're looking at is those guys trying to squeeze a little bit more power out of it. They understand Ducati is here. Ducati was coming with Petrucci, all that stuff. And so mm -hmm. Stamboli and his attack performance team trying to get as much out of that motor as possible Obviously, they've kind of reached the limit of our rules and what's possible, and they had some issues. They've sorted that out. I was in the transporter um, watching all the details that go into it. I mean, dude, they're measuring. You know, They, they obviously look at every tire that goes on the bike. They look at uh, fuel. They're measuring. They have a certain thing with a bobber thing, and you put in the fuel, and it measures how much water content's in the fuel and all this kind of stuff. So yep. the, the details matter. We know that they, winning the Daytona 200 is all about those details, right? And it's really like that. So it's, I understand the elixir of the whole Petrucci situation coming in, ex MotoGP guy, two, you know, two time race winner in MotoGP in 12 years or whatever, blah, 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 blah. But Ducati is still up against it. You know, as much as they've got information about Coda and as much as that's an FIAM homologated track and as much as blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the, Fresh and lean progressive Yamaha team had problems there. Eh, that's code is the only one we go. Code is the only coda that we go to during the year. Correct. And so I think that what you're running up against is a team in attack that's got tons of knowledge. I mean, tons of knowledge, yep. tons of setup stuff. You have a guy in Gagne who just, well, Jay, you tell me. I mean, we've talked about this on camera and off camera. He just does things differently, doesn't he, on yep. the racetrack? Well, the thing I brought up to you yesterday, even when, when I was driving home, I, I traveled home yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, you know, we're watching these races, and I talked to Gagne a little bit about it, and especially about watching his pit board and things. You know, he never talks about the championship, never did last year either. He's pretty much race by race, the way he thinks, just wants to win, just goes out there and does his thing, puts his times down. Um, but there's, there's a part of me that goes, you know, when you look at, the taking nothing away from the other guys, by the way, this is not a hit on anybody in the class, but 
Like, do you feel Kanye could win by more than three and a half seconds? Because he kind of, in both races, got it out to three, four seconds. If they got a little bit closer, he was able to kind of put down a lap time again. It's almost like he's controlling the pace. And my thought process and my question to you yesterday was, even though we know Jake doesn't talk about it and doesn't think about the championship, and I truth, truthfully believe that, I think that there comes a point when you give up as many points as he was giving up at the beginning of the year in the first two rounds that you start to realize, I don't need to win I don't need to win every one of these races by 10 seconds or 12 seconds or 15 seconds and take unnecessary risks or push as hard as you possibly can the whole time, right? So he's controlling these races, Greg, and he was three and a half seconds up, but I wonder, I wonder if he could have done even more. You know what I mean? I wonder if he could have, I wonder if he could have won by ten seconds. You know, but he just seems like the intelligent side of it is okay. I've got three and a half second lead. I can control this. I got to get these points in the bank, which would make sense. I wonder, and I haven't talked to them about it, the team, but I wonder if Corn Dog and Gagne. I wonder if they go out more often than we think they do on a full fuel load. Because the thing that Gagne, the reason why Gagne is beating everyone is with brand new tires, but on a full fuel load, that's where, I mean, he's got a pattern. He's got a race pattern. Gagne likes to go out there and he likes to throw down four or five and see if anybody can hang with him. And then mm-hmm. he, fig- I think he figures out the race after that. I think I think his race strategy goes, we're going four laps, and then we're going to see how this works out. If if A scenario happens, we're mm-hmm. going to do this. If B scenario happens, we're going to do this. You know, that type of situation. If I have one rider coming with me or two riders coming with me. Because the one thing about Gagne that I'm convinced of, that I've been around the sport quite a while. Not as long as you, but I've been around a long time. Yeah. I know riders that win races that are fast, that don't yep. like to, they don't like to race. And I have two riders in mind, but I'm not going to mention their names. Gagne has got the full deck of cards, meaning yep. if he needs to race, he'll do it. Yep. I agree. Yeah, so I agree. I just think you're right. I think that as much as Gagne, his riding changed from 2020 to 2021. You know, he settled down. He got all that speed without all the effort. I think that once he had that settled, and I think in the off season, I don't know what it was, conversations with his crew chief, he made a decision, you know, just maybe the testing that they were able to do and the conversations you're able to have with the people around you during testing that you don't normally do during the, you know, the the pressure of a race weekend. Yep. Hey, how about we just do this? Just get out to a lead. All you need to do is win by a thousandth of a second. One one thousandth of a second gets you a race win. So who cares? Go out and manage it. You know? Yep, yep, I agree. And I think that, you know, he told me that Cornwell and him talked about that. Like, that was something that Cornwell, who's obviously very fast, amazing writer in his own day, back in the day, they had just discussed that. Like, a win's a win. Let's collect it and go. But you kind of wonder, like, if he gets up in the points, does he start turning back into, the, like, the, the, you know, the guy that was winning? But, you know, look, you can't take anything away from the guy who finished second twice this weekend, Matthew Skoltz, who made life difficult for himself again on Sunday by crashing in warm-up again, which... You know, it's just like, it's such a big no-no. And the hard part is, is it just goes to show, it's a real credit to the team. I mean, when you think about it, he destroyed that bike in Sunday morning warm-up. And Matthew was his normal self. Like, he gets so mad at himself. And it's funny watching him. You see the passion in him just getting so pissed off at himself in the morning, you know. But it's hard work for your team, man. When those guys have to, that's that's not what they want to do. 
that's not what they want to do is thrash to put a bike together because now you go out for a siding lap and a warm-up lap and you just hold your breath but it's credit to that whole team that they were able to put a bike back underneath them that literally greg was probably quite a bit different right i mean i know some of the stuff that you know about that bike you talked about it in the telecast uh the fact that they were able to get a bike back underneath them that was that made him as comfortable as he did full credit to the team and full credit to him for for you know riding the you know what out of it to 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 another podium a solid second place i think he crashed that bike and totaled it totaled. as i was told by the team totaled it with about a minute 20 left to go in a 15 minute session so heartbreaker wow. a no-no like you're saying however yeah. what i did learn yesterday in talking to ed sullivan the crew chief was they had just they had made a change in the morning and they had confirmed that that change all electronics right that they're talking about that change made a huge difference then he went out and crashed the bike so wow. they were so it makes it even worse because he didn't have it he wasn't really testing anything however yeah. the biggest thing is is that they knew that that change it worked and so they were able to plug that into the new bike now that or you know or really the old bike yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. The big the biggest thing the biggest thing I know, like the frame was the same, the motor spec was the same, all the electronics are the same. Obviously the maps they just plug them in. But the the biggest thing was the fitment on the bike, the ergonomics of the bike. You know, they do have a narrow, you know, they I don't know what the I don't know what the uh the existence of this thing is, but when I saw them, I want to say Monday night. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Monday night. When I saw Sunday them night. Friday night. Oh, Friday, Friday. Night. okay, yeah. Friday yeah. night. Uh, they had the tank sitting there on the table uh, in the customer's care center. So if, if, if you come to a Moto America race and you go to these teams, there's always going to be like like tables with some stuff on them where they have the computer sitting kind of in the back towards the transporter. And I call that the customer service center. That's where all the data people are going to sit and they look out over the bike and the paddock and everything. And um, anyway, Ed was there taping on that gold tape the heat yeah tape stuff yeah basically over the top of the whole new tank so i got a really 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 good look at it and asked a lot of questions and the design of it and like i said on the broadcast the design basically was to keep it a little bit narrower at the crotch area and to allow him to move side to side and and connect matthew's a motocross guy jay and yep. he uses a lot of leg and as we have seen and you've confirmed with jake gagne as gagne starting to use a lot more leg riding a superbike, and you could see it when he goes over the curbs he uses his legs motocross style to absorb bumps and things like that skultzy's the same way and the the tank itself was a little bit too angular uh, a little bit too square so mm -hmm. it kind of flared out a little bit and then we took a <coughs> take a 90 degree right turn so the yep. tank allowed them to change the cowling that goes over the whole situation. Plus they were able to move a little bit. I don't even know how much, maybe a liter or something like that. Um, a little bit lower to lower the center of gravity. And that's part of what he trashed. Unfortunately was mm -hmm. that, and that, that tank was more or less prototype. Um, but, but they have the, they can, re they can duplicate it. It's just a matter of, can they duplicate well, that road America? They only had one there. And so they had to change some things around and yeah. 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 And, so uh, yeah, and it was a spare bike, you know, and, like I said in the broadcast, the way it works in Moto America is a one bike rule. You go through tech with your VIN number, you or your tech number or whatever it is. You go to tech inspection and you say our bike is unrideable. I need to tech another bike. You can tech that bike. If you destroy that bike, you can go only back to your original frame. Interesting. So you know, and then that's it. So you get that change. Original frame, one back up, back to original frame. So if you were to trash trash four bikes in one weekend, you're out. <laughs> you know, you're yeah, done. No, you're Because you can only do three, basically. Well, yeah. It's another solid weekend for those guys. I mean, look, at the end of the Dude, day, he's, it sucks he's, 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 he's only he's only there. finished he's finished 
Second, it's boom, he's collecting points. If Matthew wins this championship, it's it's going to be on the back of his solid performance at the beginning of the year, which yeah. really brings me back to Road Atlanta race one or whatever it was. Was it race, race two one when he where, fell over? When he fell over. Yeah. The heartbreak. I mean, yep. if Matthew would have just finished second where he normally does, he'd be leading this championship by 16 points. But shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? Like, yeah, even if he finished behind racing, Cam it Peterson. Is what it is. We've seen him make yeah, one mistake. So, I mean, it was, you know, yeah. Gagne's made one mistake. Uh, Cam's made a couple, you know. So it's like yeah. when you start to look at it at the end of the day, it's it's racing. I mean, you, you could always go back and look at it. But, oh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing in talking to the Westby crew, Jay. Yeah. Talking to the Westby crew. They were basically like, look, of course we were upset about what happened, you know, in warm-up. But after the performance he put on yeah. to, to finish second in race two, all that stuff gets forgotten. It's like, Correct. of course they want him to learn his lesson. Yeah. But the fact is, is like, they're like, dude, because I guess Matthew came in after that and he apologized again for what had happened in warm-up to one of the crew guys. And they were just like, dude. They're so proud of him for the way yeah. he raced and the way he raced Petrucci, which kind of leads us into... Well, how would you how would you feel crashing in Sunday morning warm up for the second race in a row, knowing that you got to go back and look at Chuck Chiquetto? <laughs> Actually, you want to know what's funny? You, you, you want to know go what's from funny, like, though? Stink, damn it, Matt! To to you 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 get frustrated with him looking at him on the screen. Like, uh oh, he's got to go back to the pit still. But Chiquetto was the only, <laughs> Chiquetto didn't say anything to him. No, I know. Look, yeah. at the end of the day, you're not going to go he, screaming I mean, at your rider on Sunday morning. You're not going to do it. No. But, you know, but but, be... but Ed Sullivan, Ed Sullivan did. Ed Sullivan said that he laid the wood to the kid, and he doesn't normally. He's trying, man. Ed's, Look, the guy's Ed's trying. He's finishing second. He's second in yep. qualifying. He's second in races. I mean, oh, you just want to see him just, just even if it's qualifying, you want to see him on pole. You want to see something because he is trying his hardest. I mean, yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? It's it's uh, yeah, good for him. He's having a, he's having a good year. What about Cam? I thought Cam's weekend was really positive. Definitely different. I had a discussion with him, had a little bit different mental approach. I mean, he could still see his teammate up the road at the end of both those races. He was only four seconds back in both races, Greg. So it's like those guys are still, they're right there. I thought he had a pretty savvy race on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, something happened with about four or five to go where he just lost a little ground to, to uh, Skultz and Petrucci. So he lost a little bit of ground to those guys there at the end. Um, but I thought Cam had a great weekend overall and it's something he can build on. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And yeah. I think that there's something missing right now, whether it's physical or just a setup, something setup-wise that gets him to the end of the race super yeah. strong. Yeah. But Stamboli said it the best. You know, he's 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 ahead of where the second rider has been the last couple of years, whether yeah. that's, you know, you know, like whoever it was. So he feels pretty good. You know, yep. Cam P has got to remind himself it's his first year on this bike. He's got a two-year deal. He he he. They didn't hire him. To go beat Jake Gagne, mm -hmm. you know, no. on the regular. No. They hired no. him to get him a better, become a better rider. Because look, the one thing that I know that, that Yamaha is pretty smart about and has been smart about, Yamaha doesn't like to just be hung out with no plan. And right. honestly, if you can get Cameron Peterson comfortable at this point, as, as, from a Yamaha perspective, they have Skultz. You know, it's a satellite team. It's not, you know, their premier team in terms of, you know, the actual money that Yamaha puts in, whatever. But you know, the Westby team is supported. Yeah. But if Gagne goes somewhere, if if the miracle happens and Gagne gets to go to the world championship, say world super back to world superbike, which if you're in Europe and you have any 
um, regard for Petrucci and what his abilities are. And the fact that Gagne is now substantially spanking that dude. I know it's only been three races, but he's gone. You know, he's breaking track records. His track records from last year is Gagne. Then I think that you, you it's hard to it's hard to ignore and hard to avoid him. You know, well, the question for the world championship and world superbike is what's going to happen with Gerloff, which is a whole nother conversation to have a little yeah. bit later on. This podcast but, could be five hours long if we started getting into all these other little details that we'll be able to go through as the year goes. But it's like we won't. But what, but, what they're, let, what they're let's doing talk about the elephant in the room, Jay. Let's, ultimately, what they're doing, though, Greg, is they're grooming Cam Peterson because if Gagne goes forward, it's no that, different that was than my what point. we've seen. You got Bobier and you have Gagne. Yeah. Gagne the first year didn't do. He did. He did fine, by the way. But Bobier was the dominant rider. The second yeah. year, Cam's gone. Yeah. Bobier moves up. He does his thing. They're bringing Cam Peterson in now. Let's groom him. Let's see how he gets going. A year under his belt, knowing that he's got a two-year deal, he needs to get these results. This is what Gagne did the first year. He was finishing third and fourth and fifth and second, and seeing his teammate disappear up the road. And but he built on that. And he learned from it, and he continued to get stronger. And that's exactly what's got to happen. Petrucci ends up fourth and third on the weekend, and we've gone back and forth with. You know, for me personally, how would I handle this? It's been a topic for me since, well, basically since I knew what was going on underneath us at the medical center. It's been kind of a, a, a thing for me, um, Greg. And it's, it's, my Monday was really interesting. Uh, well, let's off, go back. Let's go back. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah let's, let, let's go back and talk about the race finish. So, race it, two, fourth, the first day. Gagne, you know, checks out. But, yeah. Well, I'm not worried about that. Let's talk about race two. The finish is he's drafting Skultz coming to the start-finish line. He goes around the outside of Skultz, and then we don't know what happened. We know that he crossed start-finish line, and we know that he crashed. Mm -hmm. That is basically it. Then what happens, Jason, after that? that we, from our perspective, well, we lived look, it. We were there. Yeah. Yeah, he he falls over. We see Gagne. He turns uh, around. Gagne turns around. Right. I I said in the broadcast, I'm like, he's gesturing at something. Something's happened. Something's going on back there, right? You could tell. And it wasn't right. just Trucci's a normal. Gone. It wasn't just said. a normal like Gagne turning around. It was like something was happening. And then he kind of coasts through turn one, and we see Matthew Skultz there, but no Petrucci. And then we hear through our our head our headset that Petrucci had fallen. And I'm like, ugh, because I know I've been off there extremely fast in an accident as well. So I know kind of what that's like keep in mind greg it did rain pretty heavy the night before so uh or we i know we had some rain um so the grass is probably pretty slick but um when our cameras you know when our cameras got to him and keep in mind the guys had just gone through turn one on their cool off lap uh, we saw petrucci up and walking um and at the time when we saw him walking i know how close we were to where the incident was from where our sitting vantage point is and where we sit greg Right out the door from us, what, maybe uh, a five-second walk is where the podium is, right? So right where we are from the incident, um, I see him walking back towards the building that we're in, which is close. It's, you know, and I'm thinking he's walking back to come to the podium. That's what I was thinking initially. I was thinking, oh, he's, maybe he's walking back here and he's going to be at the podium in three minutes, whatever it is. So, um while we were doing our interviews, he was already in medical while we were doing the the first and second place. So the guys came around on their cool-off lap. By the time they got to Vic, to Winter Circle, Petrucci was in medical, um, which, what's a cool-off lap? 
two and a half minutes, you know, considering the minute and a half that they do when they ride or race, you know, so whatever. So he was on, he was there and uh, obviously we didn't get to do an interview with him, which was a bummer. Um, and at that point we didn't realize the impact of what this all was going to be. But again, it, after Atlanta, the attention wasn't on who won and who did what. And after Virginia, it wasn't on who won and who did what. It was all about Danilo getting to his phone and can hardly wait to make a post to try to make a group of people that are, there's a lot of people. I'm not talking about Moto America staff and people. I'm talking about team, manufacturer. I'm talking about everything that have done a lot to get the guy here. And he can hardly wait to get to his phone to put everybody on blast. And that's what he did. And, yeah. you know, he he's creating a perception that's very interesting that Moto America is an unsafe place to race, that, you know, the perception is that they don't care, they won't make changes. And the bottom line is, is that he doesn't really understand the way U.S. motorcycle racing works. He, he just doesn't understand it. Um, so he posts up his... He posts up his his deal, um, you know, a couple of days ago or whatever, and I'm yeah. I'm looking it up now because I'm curious to see like who it reached. But you know, listen, man, Petrucci has every right, in my opinion, to you know get on there, emotion, let his emotions fly, get on there and post. I mean, it's his account, it's his opinion, it's his deal. The question becomes, what impact do you have down the road? Because then you have European press who don't come to a Moto America race, don't understand the way the U.S. operations work, don't understand where motorcycle racing, and everybody who's listening to this podcast who rides a motorcycle, I don't care if you do track days, you do club racing, or you do Moto America, we all get the stuff that nobody talks about, which is that motorcycles are just not that popular in the U.S. They're mm -hmm. not. I had a long talk with the president of VIR on Sunday morning, bright and early, and we talked about the changes that they have made to the racetrack and obviously the the changes they've made inside. Because, I mean, you show up and you have these really nice, the the, the, the fence, you know what I mean, that separates the, the cold paddock from the hot paddock. Yeah, they did and a they nice job new, there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we talked about the stuff, and they're like, and he was just like, look, we're FIA-certified track. These are the things that we were required to do. We were told that we had to put this fence, you know, this, this guardrail around the track at a certain distance off the racetrack. We moved it back to 120 feet as far as we could because we do have motorcycles in mind. And he loves motorcycles. But he also reminded me that they rent their track almost every single day and they have one, you know, one big configuration or two configurations. But in that, there's only two weekends out of the year that are occupied by motorcycles. And that's mm -hmm. a pre-track day and Moto America. 88% of the business that mo that VIR does is automobiles. 88%, 12% yeah. is motorcycles. Yeah. And he loves motorcycles and he tries to keep it as safe as possible, but this isn't Europe. I mean, this is a privately owned track by a corporation or a person. It's a different environment in which we live in than tracks that are owned by municipalities that have infrastructures and and, you know, asphalts and runoff and stuff that's paid for by tax dollars where the MotoGP can go to Kimi Ring and say, we're not coming to create all this revenue for your community, for your city, your, your county, your country, unless this track is homologated. They have that kind of juice. 
We have one yeah. homologated track in the United States, do we not? I mean, I think one. Yeah, no. We have one I, track that's currently homologated in all the tracks we have in the U.S. So for me, it's about understanding what you're doing, about doing your research coming here. But the problem with the incident with Petrucci is, is that, like you're saying, Jason, it now all becomes about Petrucci and where does Gagne's win and the great performance that he did and the other the other classes. It gets lost as to big drama in Moto America. It's the worst series on the planet. They're not doing this or not doing that. And now the managing partners of Moto America have got to spend their time having a meeting, defending creating a themselves. press release, defending yeah, Are they themselves. supposed to do a press release after every weekend because Petrucci gets to his phone on Sunday night quicker than anybody else? And, you know, the problem I had is like, you and I are, I'm sitting at dinner Sunday night when I, you know, somebody text, put you and I on a group thread. Have you seen this? And I hadn't. So, you know, I'm at dinner and I see the Petrucci's post and it fires me up a little because the thing is, is that, is that just like his Atlanta post, there's so much exaggeration and so much non-facts to what he posted that, that it paints, not only does it paint the wrong picture, it's an inaccurate picture. That's the thing that sucks. Now, when I saw Petrucci at Valencia last year, let's not forget, he retired along the same exact weekend as Rossi, right? And the love that Petrucci got at Valencia was so endearing and it, it wrapped me up of like, wow. At that point, we'd already heard the rumors that he might be coming here. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, look at this guy. This guy is, he is so loved and he's, it's, you know, just look at him. Where's I was pretty. I his, was pretty pumped that he was coming here and to meet him. Where's emotions on stuff. his sleeves? And then, Greg, the only reason I even got up in the morning to see what the Perry Dakar Rally results were was because of Danilo Petrucci. Like I could hardly wait. This guy's going to go race the Perry Dakar. What? And he wins a stage. And there's so much anticipation, and and he just seems so loved. And there's so many fans here in America. They're like, ah, oh, I want to come to the races and meet Danilo Petrucci. Well, that's great. And and I'm the same. I mean, I was. I'm. Ex I mean. I'd already texted him about maybe, you know, I know he wanted to learn how to play golf. And so there were some things there for me. I was like, this is amazing. Where it all kind of, my first sign was, goes to Coda, amazing weekend, does his thing, whatever. It, it was great. In front of his, you know, former paddock. He wins the first race in Atlanta. And the first thing the guy talks about is how messed up the back markers are. That's his first thing he talked about when we interviewed him. And I was like, whoa. Like, come on, man. You just won your third race in a row. Like, what are we doing here? Like, it. anyways, I, I was taken back by that a little bit. The next day, his bike blows up. And I looked at the results from that again, Greg. And there might be, there was one bike that I know for sure blew up. There was one bike. <clears throat> All the rest, I'd have to go back and see what happened to Matt Kuna and some of the others. I know, I know Jake Lewis went out on lap seven of that race. Um, but regardless, it, it, there was one bike that I knew blew up on that day and it was his and he goes to the phone, comes off a win and then whatever, and just blasts. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like for me, it makes no sense. It's, uh, and of course, then you got all the haters in the world. Oh, Motor America, this Motor America, that they probably haven't been to a race in forever and, and whatever, but Motor America had to go on the defense and defend themselves in that. Was there a mistake made? Yeah. There was a mistake made. Did the planes get to Indonesia on time this year for MotoGP? Nope, they didn't. That's a mistake, right? They had to cancel all their Friday. Did every rider get on social media and blast that they're losing track time and that they didn't get a chance to go out and ride on Friday? I don't recall seeing any of that. 
So you go, all right, well, Moto America has to defend themselves. In this case, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened in this case. He misjudged. They could say that, look, Matthew Skoltz has plus zero on his board for 15 straight laps. You think he's coming across a checkered flag and snapping the throttle off and trying to disrupt Petrucci? I just refuse to believe that. And I also know from talking and getting the information that I've got that that didn't happen. Matthew didn't do that. So there was a misjudgment. And Skultz never said that. Like that. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Petrucci never came out and no, said anything of the no, sort. No, there was an avoidance that he put. His, he had to avoid another writer. Fair right. play. But there's been play. but there's been suggestion based off of what Petrucci's post is that some people are creating their own, con- drawing their own conclusions to it. Correct. And that's Correct. that's really what what so the what, problem is with posts like this as well. So what got my back up initially was the fact that Monday morning I'm sitting in a little cafe and my friends are at the track. They're getting ready to go ride. You know, Simon and David and all the boys, Richie Millman. You know, all your friends, Johnny Freeman. They're all they're Richie. all going to the track to ride Monday, right? So yeah, I got up fairly casual Monday. I went to the cafe. I went to this little cafe that you know that I like there and just had a coffee and I'm sitting there. He was dying for Sunday to be over, by the way, people, because the cafe is closed. So he couldn't wait for Monday to be there. So So his cafe opens again. Yeah, I'm sitting there and next thing you know, um, I got on Twitter and I see that a, a guy who I respect has retweeted. I go on Twitter and I and I go on Instagram. Not very often, but I do. And you know me, Greg, I don't do a lot of posts. But when mm-hmm. I saw that this guy that I kind of respected had done, he retweeted Petrucci's thing and said, this is incomprehensible. And I got so mad and I was thinking to myself, I'm gonna write something. I'm like, nah, I don't wanna get involved. Couldn't be bothered. Like, I don't wanna be in the shitstorm because I knew it would create one. But then I finally went, nope, I don't care. And I basically wrote that I'm, <laughs> I'm not a journalist, but if I was a journalist, I would definitely get the other side to a story before, because that's, to me, that's what good journalism is. And nowadays it doesn't matter. It's all about sensationalism and getting clicks. That's all that these guys care about. And even when you have somebody as respected as Wayne Rainey, who is the other side, you don't take the time to at least contact him and, and, try to understand what happened before you just turn this into clickbait. So I put this post out and by the time I got to the track 25 minutes later, it was blowing up, right? I spent six hours on on Monday talking to very respected guys, guys like Simon Crafer getting a hold of me and these kind of guys trying to find out what exactly happened. And then of course, you know, it's a Twitter battle and hey, it wasn't really a Twitter battle. Everything I did was professional. There was nothing... But that's the kind of power that Petrucci has. He has the ability to get to the reach. What he did, Greg, is he rolled well, that, off. He, he ran off the racetrack. That's what he did. There was a whether he was trying to avoid another rider. There was a mistake made. We've done it. We've all made mistakes. It's a screw up. The guy crashed at a very, 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 very high rate of speed. That sucks. But he did it in a place where there was a ton of runoff, more runoff than you could use, and he was able to get up. I'd be counting my blessings that I crashed at 100. A miracle, by the way, that yeah, yeah, 174 mile an hour crash, and you're able to get up. And you're, and you're able to get up. There's no mention of the fact that there was plenty of runoff for him to avoid ser- very, very, very serious injury. In his post, he goes on and he writes that he tried to avoid another rider. Fair play. 
said that he hit three sponsor signs when in fact he only hit one. And those sponsor signs weigh nothing, okay? I've been through them myself. And and crash, when you crash that fast, Greg, anything you hit is going to seem like a brick wall. But in this case, he went through one of them, not three of them. Um, the one that kills me is he was laying there for two minutes. And it's impossible. <laughs> we were at the checkered flag, if you remember. And I want to run through a couple things here. We're at the checkered flag. And this crash happened essentially at the checkered, at the checkered flag. He rolled off probably 50 meters, 50 yards past where the checkered flag was. Race Direction had an immediate eye on him because they're in the building that we are. They actually have a better side of him than we did because they're on the right side of the building. They see him come across the line. They see him fall. Their eyes are are on him. Our cameras didn't see it, but our, their eyes are strictly focused on Petrucci because they can see that he's crashed. By the time the riders came out of turn one on their cool-off lap, our, our cameras panned back. Petrucci was already up walking, and you can see bikes going by. If he laid there for two minutes, the slowest guy in that race, the, the slowest guy in that race did, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, if you give me two seconds here, the slowest finisher of that race's lap time Looks like it was a minute twenty eight point six. Yet he said he laid there for so, two minutes. So, but I can tell you, I so so the last person to come across the line would have been Hunter Dunham, yeah. And he finished one one minute and twenty two seconds behind the leader. So he finishes one minute and nineteen seconds point so on uh, behind behind Petrucci. Gagne and, and or behind, behind Gagne. What did he? Yeah, Skultz and Petrucci. Right. Yep. So it's impossible he laid there for two minutes. And it's impossible he even laid there for a minute because he was back in medical in three minutes, Greg. Three minutes mm-hmm. from the time he got up to the time he got to, to medical, it was three minutes. Look, look, Jay, there's a there's a, a term that I've kind of coined, at least in the house in my household for the last year, two years probably. It's called emotional facts. People do it all the time, right? I mean, we you have friends, oh, I read an article on this and people overquote it so they want to make their statements. So the problem I have is that the emotional facts that Petrucci put out there versus Moto America catching their breath, not being reactionary, taking their time to do the research, their facts don't line up with the emotional facts. And this is not the first time this has happened with Petrucci since he's been in Moto America. Well, no, and there's never a there's never a rebuttal. There's never a, hey, I may have done this. Hey, I may have done that. It is just strictly, this is what happened. And... And his his viewpoint is beyond exaggerated in both cases. And the fact is, is if you go back and you look at the timeline of Atlanta, it was like 90-something seconds, 91 seconds or 89, whatever it was. I can't remember because it was a few months ago, a couple months ago. But the thing is that they weren't on the grid for five minutes. They weren't sitting there. They weren't. And Greg, I'm going to give you a couple examples of things, okay? When the thing happened at the Red Bull ring in Austria last year, where we had that horrendous accident or a couple years ago, whatever it was. We had that horrendous accident. Nobody could see that coming, okay? Immediately, immediately, all the Euro journalists are just condemning the track and how shitty it is and this and that. It's it's not like there was a bunch of talk prior to this incident. Um, but it's, again, the negativity, getting the clickbait, letting, coming out with sensationalized ideas and thoughts and, and posting them. And then giving everybody an opportunity to draw their own conclusion when there's actually no facts to what that had actually happened. And now they're changing things. And you watch. At Le Mans this year, Renz crashes, goes across the, goes across the gravel trap at 100 plus mile an hour, 
when he comes back on, he crashes smack in front of the leaders, didn't he? Sure. And I don't see I didn't see Rins getting on there and bitching about Dorna and bitching about the safety of this or that. He didn't get on there and start screaming. Um, in fact, he was thankful. He was actually thankful he didn't get hurt. And I don't know if those guys are muzzled a bit. My 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 initial thought is that they probably are. Um, thankfully, Rins wasn't running seventh in that race when there would have been more guys going through there because there could have been collisions. And then what would have happened, right? But nobody could see that coming. So there might be changes made next year to flatten that area out or do something, okay? In this case, there's some things that we can learn from Petrucci's incident that Moto America has acknowledged, and that is, could we have got to him quicker? Could have. Yep. Um, can we change the way we do things next year? Yeah, this incident maybe brought something out like that because, Greg, this is, I don't want to say it's an isolated incident because we have seen people crash there before. Bobby Fong comes to mind. Jake Holden back in the day with me fell there. Um, Zach Schumacher fell on on Friday morning in turn one in that kink. Um, but the fact is, is that I think that Petrucci gets a result, crashes at a high rate of speed, and ultimately should have been thankful for not getting hurt. Should have been happy there was the runoff that there was. And instead, it's a continuous bashing of what the series is. And if he was expecting to come over here and every track was going to be like Magello, or every track was going to be like the tracks he's raced in the last however many years of his life, then he's a very unrealistic person because this is a domestic championship and we have to race at the places that we can. BSB gets highly regarded worldwide. There's about three or four tracks that those guys go to that are way narrower. I, I'm not going to say way narrower, but there's at least two that I can think of that are that are narrower than VIR. Um, probably don't have, and, and definitely aren't FIM homologated racetracks, right? So the thing you got to look at is know what you're getting yourself into before you come. And when you're here, help make change, if anything else. Thank goodness you were okay. I love the presence of Ducati in our paddock. I love the presence of that Warhorse team. I think they look amazing. They've got good riders. But you can't, you can't keep doing this. And so my whole point of the Twitter thing that I put out was to put the Euro journalist on blast a little bit. Check your facts. Hey, even more so, if you care that much to make a bullshit post more relevant, come to a race. Come and see what goes on at a Moto America race. I'll get um, you tickets for free. Yeah, shit. Come on over. And come on over. Are every Have one of our tracks yourself. are every one of our tracks great? No, they're not. They're not. Unfortunately, they're not. But we're a huge country and there are different markets that we have to go to. And we have to find places to go to. Moto America does everything they can to make the places that we go as safe as possible. Are there some walls too close in areas? Yep. Not in this case, though. In this case, the guy crashed at 170 plus mile an hour. And then the things that I have heard, Greg, from very, very, very reliable sources, okay, allegedly, when he got to medical, he just put everybody on blast in there. Like just, and to me, I'm like, what, what is going on? So in conclusion for me, okay. Yeah, he wasn't I'm, he wasn't nice to the people in medical to 100%. put it mildly. And it's over and it's I've heard what it from I heard, numerous What I heard from my from eyewitnesses that were there in the medical center, that's what I heard as well. Yeah. And I'm like the rest of you. I want to love Danilo just from what I have heard, but so far he's been the exact opposite but in Jay, my opinion to what we on Monday was coming over here. On Monday, he's quoted on a site called mrhelmet.com, which I'd never heard of before. 
but he's quoted as saying that you know he's he's wants to leave Moto America. Um, so he literally said, now again, the the, the problem is this is like a, an article written, I believe, in Italian, and then it's Google translated, right? Mm-hmm. But he 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 opines about what happened, you know, at at Road Atlanta from his perspective, and um, he said, I you know, he said, well, let's go to VIR. He said, I reached the last corner, and in order to not touch Skultz, had to widen. I went wide, and my steering closed in full sixth. I don't know what that means. Sixth gear. If I had, yeah, if I had touched it. It would have been even worse, but certain moves are to be sanctioned. In Atlanta, they stopped the race because there was no power to the cameras. Here, however, strangely, no cameras, no images. So it's all right for them. I don't think I will continue. I've done 25 years of racing, and I don't want to get hurt because of it. So, But I'm going to go do the Perry to car rally. Yeah, exactly. But the, So look, man, you know, in order to be fair, um, you know, I reached out to Petrucci. And I sent him a message and I just said, look, here are the things that we know. Here are the things that are rumor. I would like to just find out if any of these rumors are true. Since I didn't hear from Petrucci, I'm not going to go over the rumor bits. Um, and I, and you know, and that deal, I mean, my first comment to him was, I hope he's okay, you know, because 100%. he got banged up. And yeah. I know that they were supposed to go to pit race and test. And Josh Heron was there and I haven't had a chance to reach out as I've been, you know, I leave tomorrow there. morning for a tournament. He's not there. Huh? He, I got, he's I got not there. I know he's not there. Yeah. Okay. See, again, I, I, you know. So, anyway, I haven't heard from him. I doubt I will. You know, um, obviously, you know, he has his, his people that he's going to talk to and all that kind of stuff. But I think at the end of the day, here's my, here's my take on it. Okay. This is my summation. Number one, I'm glad he's okay. Bottom line 100%. all this crap about instagram posting yep. how people perceive all that stuff is irrelevant if someone really guy, gets hurt guy crashed from a high rate of speed and he's okay that's the main thing for me that's too. the main thing and that's a testament to the runoff at that particular section at the highest speed section at vir so tip of the cap to the folks at vir for that 100 percent um are there areas to be improved upon yes and unfortunately jason like you're saying you and i probably from memory could go back and talk about how racetracks we don't go to anymore because they found out because someone got hurt or killed that they don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Or they've made improvements. I mean, gravity. I mean, I'm not even going to go through it, but there's tons from doesn't matter. Stuff yeah, none of that stuff. To, to yeah, you. I agree with you. So him being okay. The second thing is, is that it's, to me, it's very selfish for a guy of his stature to come into the United States, come into Moto America, and shit all over it and not think you have an impact. There are a lot of people that have worked really hard to dig the series out of where it was back in 2014 when we had six races on the calendar. We had racetracks, didn't even want us there. And Moto America has done a good job, really good job, of starting to build this series back up. And the problem is, is that you have someone who comes in who apparently didn't do his research, who it doesn't High feel profile. like he wants High to be here. High profile High yep. profile doesn't feel like he wants to be here racing, you know, to me with the with the things that he's complained about, because if you're professional about stuff, why air the dirty laundry? How is that going to help your cause? Wouldn't you want to sit down with the people at Moto America and say, you know what, as, as the, he he told me himself, he told me that he spent 11 years on that MotoGP safety thing as a rider representative. So the guy's got incredible insight and to learn more about why. 
Moto America doesn't have an impact or a say so on getting things changed. On some tracks we do, Jay, right? Pit yeah. race, they were they rolled out the carpet for Moto America and said, We are gonna make this change to this racetrack, put a chicane in. Didn't the Ridge do the same thing? Right? Yeah, on, Ridge, on the front Ridge straightaway. Did the same. Yep. Yep. So there are some racetracks that say, Okay, we are going to invest capital money into this thing so you guys can come race here because we love Moto America. But it's not all yep. places we go to. Moto no. America is a guest of Moto GP. We couldn't do anything with Coda. You know what I mean? Like we couldn't have any yep. impact on it. But it's it's the nature of the United States and it's the nature of business. These tracks aren't owned by counties. They're not owned by municipalities. They're not owned by states. I mean, Coda kind of is, right? It's funded by the state. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but the rest of these tracks are not. Where almost all the MotoGP tracks, the majority of them anyway, are owned by governments of some sort. And it's just a different way to look at it. And the requirements, ring roads and all these things that make a lot of sense. GP comes into town, gets to pick the best of the country, best tracks in the country to go to or track. And then they put doctors at every corner, you know, those types of things. So I, you know, I feel for Petrucci. It seems like he's kind of in the mode now where he wants to be, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's, it's Look, baffling at the end of his, to me. At the, Greg, at the end of his MotoGP career, he just said, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to race anymore. I'm done. I want to go do the rally, the car rally. He did it. Ducati offered him a seat over here. He took it. Um, man. But I think that this one here is actually I getting some you... kick. It's getting kickback though. Now this one is people starting to kind of look at the writing on the wall here and going, well, like, wait a minute. There are definitely some inaccuracies here as far as the words that he is writing. And, and that's the thing that's a bummer for me is, is, you know, Greg Zanetti, Kenepa, Corti, and most recently, Loris Baz. They all came over here, and they were able to kind Tony of... Tony Elias. Tony, Tony I mean, Elias. how do I even forget him? Tony Elias comes over here. Do you think if it was as bad as this guy's portraying, that none of those five would have come out and said something? I went back and forth in some text messaging yesterday with Loris Baz, and he goes, he, he's told me, he's like, he told me some of the things that, that he wishes would be better over here, right? Which, mm-hmm. you could say that about any championship in the world. But Loris, his one of his last comments is that he 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 enjoyed the adventure over here. He he enjoyed it. He wants to see the Warhorse guys win. Fair play. It's like, but he enjoyed the adventure. And even though there were some places and there were some things, you know, uh, a couple things that come to mind was Matthew's pass on him at Pittsburgh. He didn't appreciate, I think, and he didn't bring these up to me. These are the ones I remember. I remember yeah, Brainerd. I, I remember mm-hmm. Brainerd. He had some things to say. At the end of the day, though. Loris had a relationship with the people on the staff at Moto America. Loris had a connection with the fans. He was very accessible. He was always the guy that would have no problem having a chat, whatever. Danilo just isn't that right now. And if he doesn't want to race, then don't race. But you can't come to another place, sensationalize these posts that you're putting out, and not expect it to be damaging. And if you have any respect for the people that are running it, which it seems like he does when he speaks to them, but then he goes out and does this kind of stuff. It's to me, it's 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 just it's horrible. Like I don't even understand well, why. Let me add, let me add to that. So not only respect for the people that run it, Jay, but you got to have respect for the people that run in it that have and your spent team. their lives doing it. You you're that's what I'm saying. Teams, your yeah. team, but also respect for the fans. I mean, you know, if Petrucci goes on and stays and wins the Medallia Superbike Championship, 
Yep. What value? What value has he created worldwide for him to win this championship? He's pissed all over it to the point where it seems like if he wins it, who cares? Because he won a second tier junk championship who can't, you know, blah. They don't, the tracks aren't safe and they don't care about rider safety. Like whatever it is, it's, and that's the thing that baffles me the most. It's like, why would you want to piss all over your effort? Something that you're it's trying like, to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and you do, and Greg, and to be fair, I do feel bad for the team. And I'll tell you why. Because when he's gone, they're still going to be here. They're still going to want to put the best rider they can, and they still want to go try to win championships. There's obviously a relationship between the team and Ducati. So the thing is, is that where does the team management come into play where they start to go, okay, hold on a second. We realize that things aren't perfect and things aren't great, but the team management has to come in at some point and say, some of this stuff isn't necessarily 100% factual. You can't. You can you can support your rider and you can do certain things, and and that's fine. But there is a point where somebody has to be logical enough within the inner structures of that team and say, "Hold on a minute." Like, we understand sometimes things aren't perfect. I mean, Greg, they've won three races. They've won six races this year. That team, three in Superbike, three in Supersport. They're here. They're 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 doing what they need to do. And there comes a point where that team might be looking for more money in the future for whatever. And how do you get it if you have a rider that just continues to blast the series? So moving forward, you know, we're going to Road America, which which we know is a great racetrack. We love Road America. I do. Road America is great. Um, and and I hope people. it all gets put behind us. I hope Danilo's there. I hope he's healthy. And thank goodness, five stitches in a 170-plus mile-an-hour crash to me. Incredible. I'm pretty thankful that I had the runoff that I had and, and that kind of thing. You're avoiding another here, rider, here, listen. you know. Here's the bottom line. Jason and I both want Petrucci in the series. We, we want him in the series. We want yeah. him happy. We want him safe. We want him fast. We want him to race up. And we're still dying to get a really good setup Ducati that can go race Jake Gagne at the front. And we want a throwdown. I mean, there is no doubt that that is what we want. 100%. We, we're just baffled as to how he's treated this series since he got here. And I think, look, I'm going to give People you some People wrote life. to me on Twitter, Greg. People wrote to me on Twitter. And this is what they said. They said, when is Motor America going to come out with a press release? I said, why does mm-hmm. Motor America need to come out with a press release? I'll tell you exactly what happened. He crashed. He got up. He went to medical. And he was at dinner that night with his friends. I don't know what they're supposed to write. Like, I don't, I honestly, I don't know what they're supposed to. They can't, at the end of the day. But, but Jay, this is the world we live in. in. If, some, if someone, if someone puts something on Twitter or on Instagram, it becomes somebody's reality. Like it actually happened. Yeah. And there's three sides to every story, right? There's what yeah. he said, what he said, and the truth somewhere in the middle. So yeah. it's it, it's one of those situations where you just like, look, I, let, let's just get off this topic. It's freaking depressing to me that Petrucci came here. He's fast. He wins. He's got a worldwide, you know, half a million followers on Instagram. He's got a connection with press, and he's pissed all over the series. That's the bottom line. And I hope yep. he, I hope he doesn't do it anymore. But it just seems like he's just got these oppor- these weird opportunities to do it. You know what I mean? The crash and the blown motor, and it's just weird. Like he's not having a good run, but yet he's won three races. So I'm over talking about it. I, I don't really care anymore in terms of like the damage is done. We got to put our heads down. We got to do what our job is. Understand this, everyone. The root of all upset is a thwarted expectation. If you're upset about something, it's because you had an expectation. It's thwarted. It didn't go. 
And that's part of the reason why I'm upset because I had an expectation of who I thought Petrucci was going to be, how he would handle this situation, and it's thwarted. Yep. And that yep. and that that's on me. That's on me. That's my expectation. That's why I'm not entirely happy. I'm not not happy with the man. Petrucci is Petrucci who he is. It, there was an expectation that he was going to show up, you know, to me as a person, a different guy that he is, but he's showing us a different side of him, and that is what it is. And I'll make and the maybe all those journalists over there that saw the side that we hadn't seen, they hadn't seen the side that that we are seeing. So when you look at some stuff, you go like, it's a shame. Hey, by the way, there's a guy named Josh Hayes. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, he's pretty old, from what I understand. He's been retired from racing since the 1940s. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess you could be right. Are you literally are you literally gonna transition to Supersport without having the results up, you chooch? I got the results up. What do you I have them right for? in front of me. Well, I just said, have you ever heard of a guy you? named Josh Hayes? Because he won the first race at VIR. I heard a guy named Josh Hayes Man. long before you did. Long before you that? did. How fun let was me that, tell you about way? nineteen let me tell you about nineteen ninety six, bro. So just stop. Just what? stop. And you know what? You already did the cardinal sin. He's experienced, he's not old. All right. So, uh, all right. Everybody, Pridmore's at, getting a Twins Cup bike. He's coming back out of retirement. As soon as Josh Hayes won, as soon as Josh Hayes oh won, God. I hit the cough button on our on our thing so that nobody could hear me. I said to Greg, "Give me a Twins Cup bike." I couldn't even win <laughs> Twins Cup, by the way. But regardless of any of that, my dude, eyes so rolled great. out of my head. By the way, when he said yeah. it, because yeah. I, that was great. Josh Hayes ends up winning the first day, zero point seven seconds over Tyler Scott. Then Rocco Landers. Then Heron ends up fourth, hating on me, you know, just hating on me, Josh. Nassani, Power, Perez, <laughs> Almedo, Smith, and Liam Grant rounded out the top 10. The second day, Heron rode awesome. He barely beats Josh Hayes, but man, what a race. I mean, how many passes for the lead did you say there were? Like 27 between those two guys? There were, no, on or that something? race, there was eight, 18. 18. 18 Jesus. Yeah, 19 laps and 18 passes for the lead. So, and there were more than one lead, pass for the lead in one lap, so you got to figure that there were a couple. There were actually a couple of laps where there wasn't a pass for the lead, but not many. Yeah, and there was tension there from the day before, and there was this big build. Oh up yeah, because Heron gets crap. out there and sh- just sh- pooped all over Hayes. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Pretty bad, yeah, Josh. He did that, and then he. But they 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 got zero point zero seconds, and that's the Josh Heron that I know. That's the thing that frustrates me about him so much is he's. In, He's an incredible rider, man. Ty Scott third, Lockoff, who's amazing weekend for him, even though he crashed out a second in the first race, which was a mistake that we rarely see from him. He ends up fourth over Rocco Landers, who I thought had an amazing weekend too. Really, a, you know, I think Rocco's going to learn from this moving forward. Almedo Smith, Thermiotis ends up eighth, LaRoche, and Justin Jones, who had a big crash uh, earlier in the weekend, but he comes back and gets himself a top 10. So the things I'm taking away from the weekend, A, um obviously Josh Hayes it was an incredible story it was really fun for us it was neat to see him up front anytime Josh races you know he's going to be up front he came close to the Daytona 200 on that race on Saturday Greg it, the the racecraft the the racecraft and wisdom that he's gained through all these millions of years really did like come to fruition because he managed the race he managed what he could do he got himself into the 27s the beginning of the race he's typical Josh i think what Josh does I can relate to this a little bit, is he downplays some things. He was in fifth place, and he's going, well, this is where I'm going to finish. And then after that initial first four or five laps when guys are riding their absolute hardest, he started to realize that those guys, okay, maybe they spent themselves a little bit here, and now I might have something for him. And he goes on and wins for the Squid Hunter Racing. 
I mean, it was fun, right? It was a good time. Yeah, and just so everybody knows, as of this moment, talking to Josh, well, I didn't talk to him today, but last night, no plans for him to race Road America, all right? So don't get all like, uh, you know, this is the comeback of the century. It's yeah. Logistically, it's a little too difficult for the team to figure it out. They're just going to have some fun. But what happens moving forward could surprise a lot of people, but either way, as of this podcast, no Josh Hayes at Road America yet. Yeah. How about so, Ty Scott? Let's just talk about him for a second. Well, hold on a second. If we, yeah, oh, you want to keep on Josh Hayes? Do no, it. no, keep no. I don't, I don't. I don't. Because <laughs> no, what I want to do is I, I just I, I can't emphasize it enough, Jason, to say that the GSXR 750, the idea to homologate this bike cropped up in like the middle of the winter, and yeah. then what? What you know, uh, uh, Chris Ulrich and and the M4 team, they had to go through to work with the FIM and to work with Scott Smart and to get a motor out of a bike and to ship it over to Europe and to have it tested and da-da-da-da-da and to build these algorithms and yak, 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 yak. And then they have to rely on another company to get these wiring harnesses done and they get the wiring harness. I mean, dude, the tra- the bike has seen hardly any track time. I mean, it was right. on track at the last race at Road Atlanta with Sam. They got to do a, a one or two day test at, at Barber and then right. put it on. So the fact that, Ty Scott gets on a 750 for the first time. The kid is unbelievably talented. And it looked, from our perspective, like he had a pretty uh, trouble-free weekend on what is essentially a brand-new motorcycle, right? Yeah. I mean... Unreal. It, it's Dude, he's got that look, two though, thing, man. It's two things this at once. This kid's going to... this. He's got that look, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got the thousand-yard stare, dude. You know, he does. He's just he doesn't got, care he's what names it. on the back of the leathers, and he's nope. going to race them hard, and he's going to do his thing, and he's clean, and he's safe, and he's all those things. I mean, yeah, I it, he's and I talked to Robbie Peterson about him a bit. And Robbie kind of sees all the same things, obviously, and that, he's been around. He knows it was a so, big move. It was a big move for him to go to Junior Cup straight to Super Sport and 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 kind of skip over the Twins class. Yeah. And you have to tip a cap to his pops, to him, you know, Ty Scott, his dad, for making that decision, and along with the M4 team, finding him a spot. I think it's amazing. And they always seem to, don't they? They always seem to find yes. the young guys, the young talent. He's mm-hmm. done amazing. I mean, they found, they got Sam Lockoff on that thing last year. And and look, Sam, to me, <laughs> he's got a broken I, leg. He's got, yeah. uh, you know. So, so we'll talk about a couple things, right? So everybody's like, oh, Heron this, Heron that. Yeah, Heron called me out on TV, which, look, Saturday night, he apologized to me. He wrote me a big, long text, as you know. And then Sunday, he he actually came and found me and apologized to me again because he just, you, you had it nailed from the beginning, Greg. You know, um, he heard us speaking over the loudspeaker and he thought that I said that he made a mistake when Hayes went underneath him. That wasn't the case. He made a mistake a lap or two later, which took him out. He still had the chance to win that race, even after Josh Hayes' pass. And you know what's funny is it's Josh Heron is a little bit the same. He'll he doesn't necessarily always think before he wants to put people on blast, or he doesn't necessarily look at the other side, and he finds himself apologizing a lot. So I just I accepted his apology. That was fine, but you know it could happen again at Road America, and it's like Josh Heron to me is an incredible rider. Like I just as a rider, I just think he's 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 incredible, but. The social media side of him gets a hold of him, and I think that there are times when he just wants to put things out there and shock the world and this and that. He doesn't need to. He rides well enough to where that's enough shocking of the world. That ride he put in on Sunday was insanely good, like incredibly good. And 
Um, when he said what he said on Saturday, it really didn't bother me. Um, you had already, you had already uh, kind of go. I think he, met, he, I think he thought that you said that he screwed up when Hayes went underneath him, and obviously I didn't. He yeah, because he takes his takes his helmet off. He hears the PA. He doesn't have the, the he doesn't have a monitor in front of him. You know he what I mean? Have a, he doesn't. And so yeah. But look, the kid apologized to me. Like I said, Saturday night I got a text. Sunday he came and found me. So no big deal. I really enjoy watching him ride. Now I'll tell you who's not proud of me, and he didn't he didn't say it to me. But I know that Lockoff wasn't happy with me because of the pass that Heron put on him um, and knocked Lockoff off the track. Uh, I said, turn the telecast. That's hard racing. That's These guys are all going for the same piece of pavement. Um, our camera angle was a little skewed, if I'm being honest with you. But if you look at the nature of the pass, Lockoff went up underneath Heron in the left-hander, which put him too tight for the right. You have to expect, knowing the competitors that you're racing against, you have to expect that Josh Heron's coming back up underneath you. That's what he does. That's one of the things I like about him. He doesn't give up. Mm. He's going to go back, and he's going to take a shot at you. If it's Josh Hayes behind you, maybe that's not going to happen. Hayes is going to go, I got nine more laps to do this, or ten more mm-hmm. laps, or whatever it was at that point. I don't need to do this right now and, and run the risk. Heron on the other side, he saw what he thought was an opening, and he went for it, and they, they touched. And I know Lockoff wasn't happy about it, and he didn't tell me that he was unhappy with me about what I said, but I could tell he was. But to me, I've said many, many millions of good things about Sam Lockoff over the last year and a half. My job in that booth, as you taught me, is to commentate on what I see from an expert kind of opinion. And and I feel like I'm as neutral as anybody could possibly be when I'm in that booth. And again, I've been I've been taught that. And um, my opinion on that pass was it was a hard move. It was, but it was a racing incident and it was never brought up again through race control or anything else. Lock off to me, Greg, this might come as a shock to you. Lock off to me when he gets healthy, 100%, he's the guy to beat. Now, mm. Heron right now is piling on points and doing the job he's doing. He's piling on points, winning three out of the first four races. Arguably could have still won that race on Saturday had he not made the mistake and ran off into the grass, okay? Because the leaders hadn't gotten away from him. He was right with them still. Um, but we haven't seen Sam at his best, not even close. And he's been able to run up front with these guys. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, yeah. Heron did tell me he had to go to the principal's office Sunday morning about that pass. I, I never oh, followed up did. with okay. him. To, yeah, he did. I never followed up with him to find out what happened, actually. I, 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 wonder, if, really. I wonder if it was the pass or the words. You know, I, I think that Moto America was trying to squash. I think what would had, uh, you know, knowing what I know about it, I think it was more like, let's get Heron up here and make sure that nothing too dashfully is going to happen between him and Josh Hayes. And to be honest with you, that was what I was more upset about with Heron's words. I mean, Josh Hayes is not a dirty racer. He's not a dirty guy. He's a very well-respected eight-time champion in our in our seven-time champion, eight-time champion seven time, overall. Seven-time seven four, four Superbike, two he, he hold on, two Formula Extreme, and a 750 Supersport. If my yeah, so, brain works so properly, he didn't he get didn't get extreme. he didn't he didn't get all those prizes two by seven. being a dirty rider. So the thing is, is there was probably some discussion. He's about an aggressive. What was said. Listen, he's an aggressive rider. So is Heron, right? Like think back 100%. to well, yep. tell me, tell me, tell me who was pissed at him in World Super Sport when Hayes went over Kenan there on Cifoglu. that Honda. Yeah, oh my Kenan. God, yeah, dude! Hayes about. worked his Hayes worked him so hard and was putting passes on him in places you don't pass. But hey, at that time, 
like now, curbs are curbs are fair play. And Josh, was how Josh never up. ended up in like a world super sport ride or something like that. It's a bummer. I know his path has been incredible and it was good. So it's a yeah, different, nothing, yeah, it's different. Yeah, this podcast is going on far too long. G Dub, let's get to All Junior right. Cup. All right, let's get to Junior All right. Cup. Here, Race let me let me bang through Junior Cup. Yeah, do it, I'll please, bang through Junior do it. Cup because we're yeah. gonna, we're going to tell you this. Oh, Actually, you know what we're going to do first? Podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're. Congratulations to Hayden Gillum. He ends up winning two stock thousand races. Amazing Jeff May, job. Travis Wyman in the first one. Yeah. Jeff May and Maximiliano Gerardo in the second one with Mesa, Debrino, and so on in the mix. So Hayden Gillum ends up winning by four seconds, at five seconds of the second race. Unbelievable. He had to race for it. So Hayden Gillum comes swinging now. He's won two out of three races. Unfortunately for Corey Alexander, who won the first one, who was leading coming in, he had an accident. Um, there was some really weird spe- speculation. I didn't get involved in that trauma. Something about his helmet coming off or whatever, but Corey was able to get a release out or talk to Moto America and squash all that crap. I mean, his helmet never came off. He took it off after the fact and all that kind of stuff. So that should be kind of a non-starter, but, um, you know, good racing between Where'd that come you know, from, Jeff May. Where'd that come from? Uh, where the whole, which one? The, the helmet the, off thing? Yeah. It came from a Euro journalist. No, pff, okay, fine. You know, I wasn't there, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> what wasn't happened there. because He's because I watch video. But, yeah, yeah, I watch video, and it's out, of course it's always out of context or whatever. Fine, yeah. good for you. Yeah. So everybody jumps to it because there's a PR problem, right? All of a sudden. Um, but in the Junior Cup side of things, okay, it was uh, race one, part two, because we had a red flag in that one. Uh, Max Van, you know, Vanden Brock, who is Max Van, Alamandri Junior. So the teammates win. Avery Dreyer in third place. Aiden Tao in fourth, Gus Rodeo, Yondel Medina, Levy Batty, Chase Black, Hayden Bickney's. Uh, non-finishers, Kayla Yakov and Cody Wyman. That was kind of a, a big one. They were uh, they were DNS, did not start after the second one. On race number two, initially it was Max Fan who won the race, but he got he got disqualified for um, well, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say or not, but he got disqualified. After post-race tech inspection, that leaves the win to Cody Wyman, Aiden Thau in second place, Gus Rodeo in third, Yakov in fourth, Chase Black, Big Knees, Yandel Medina, who had an early performance, and Jay, Max Van off the DQ after a second place and two first places is still leading this championship, but only by nine over mm. Cody Wyman, Aiden wow. Thau's in third place by 17, Gus Rodeo, Yakov coming off of uh, one podium so far this year, but of course that DNF is back in fifth spot, 28 points adrift. That's nothing, though. 28 so, points is nothing, right? No, nah, not with the races we have left this season. I think it'd be okay. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Yaakov's got at um, at Road America because if she can continue her demon on the brakes, you know, mindset, and nobody else can fix it, she's got good opportunities like Road Atlanta to be able to pick, make some big passes. The thing it comes down to at, at Road America for these you know, junior cup kids is all about racecraft, right? Because you know, there's going to be yeah. a pack going to the line. Big pack. It's going to be a big pack, Greg. Right? I mean, I think it's, uh, this went from a 35 point. I think he was up 35 points. We said in Sunday morning, cause that's what we kind of blew up before the junior cup mm-hmm. race to it being nine points now. So a lot of max fans stuff, um, point wise is wow. All of a sudden he's gone from, from, yeah, having this gigantic points lead. It's kind of interesting to me because I don't know exactly how it all works. And I don't really want to get into it because I don't really know exactly what he got disqualified for. But if it's any kind of motor infraction or any of that kind of stuff, I, like I said, I don't really know. But I would think that they would 
seal things after day one if they plan on taking stuff apart on day two because you have to think that the bike probably didn't change much from one day to the next. So, and and I'm not trying to cause an issue. No, I'm it, just it, saying it, I don't it, know how that it works. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't sealed because I don't think they had planned on it. But there were there were people inside the organization that kind of looked and said, "Wait a second. Why can't people get around this kid? He's one of the biggest ah. kids." And so, you know, the decision was made on the spot, which, of course, is the right of that inspection to do that. Yeah. Had that been the case, had they sealed the motor, found it illegal, he would have been disqualified for both days. But, yeah, but there's no... And, and, I'm not, and I'm not trying to, like, look, the kid's been riding No, no, great, no, no, no. I, I, I know job. what you're saying. You're literally just, asking the question. Yeah, you're asking the question. question of how it, it makes works. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the converse side is is that, you know, we have no idea what they were doing, right? They could have changed the motors, you know what I mean? Or, or if Correct. it was a motor or whatever the part was, they could have changed a shock or whatever might be illegal on the bike. Um, that got him disqualified. So, so that's the way it has to work. You know what I mean? Just like the per- the rider gets off, and, and that happens just as much as when they weigh the riders. You see sometimes if you have Moto America Live Plus, you'll see him jump off the bike. They weigh the rider. Then after the podium celebrations, they weigh the bike. They add those two numbers together, and they have to meet that minimum weight, right? So, yep. Yep. you know, so what they want to do is they want to get that rider right off of the racetrack and get him onto that scale before they do the podium celebrations because what they don't want is the rider start drinking water. Because that adds weight, adds so they're yeah. you know what I mean. So there's Makes a method sense. to the madness, but we, and we're not well informed of that. And to be honest, Jason, my disappointment is is people cheating in in, in uh, or getting popped, I should say, in Junior Cup because you know it's it's a lower cost class. A lot of families are struggling to put their kids in there, and there's a lot of effort that was taken, you know, to, to race. But I, I don't really think we harp on it too much. It's an infraction. I don't know what it is, but it was enough to get them disqualified. And my guess is they're not going to do it again. So, you know, it's, it's, yep. you know what I mean? We all, we kind of are where we are, which leads us to Twins Cup, bro. What a race. What an absolute banger of a race. Two, two races. Two, two races. I didn't get to yeah. see race two, but banger of, I mean, I can see from the results. Jody Barry, yeah. Ris, yeah, Jody Barry, Rispoli, and Hayden Schultz, uh, 2.7 seconds ahead of Maziato, uh, Caleb DeCarroll, Jackson Blackman, Ben Glotti, Blake Davis, Cody Wyman who was filling in on a Yamaha, uh, Teague Hobbs, and on back through the field. In the second race, it was Jody Berry, 78 thousandths of a second over Hayden Schultz, one-tenth over Rispoli, and then Caleb DeCarroll. Oh, okay, he showed up. He and, was right and, there. And, he and was, was right in there, the mix. Yeah. Cool. Really good, because someone had said to me, what happened to Caleb? I'm like, everybody slow down. He'll be there. Everybody relax. He'll, 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 Kid piles up every- points. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. you'll get... You get towards mid three quarters of the way through the year, and it's like, wait a minute, how does DeCarroll got a ten point lead or whatever it is, right? So yeah, exactly. That's the way he yeah. rolls. Maziato, Blackman, uh, Corey Ventura, and Wyman in the mix. So, so Jay, I didn't get see race two, but obviously it definitely looked like a banger. Uh, Jody Berry is leading the points. You ready for this? You brace? Yeah. Are you sitting down? Forty three points over T. Cobbs. Oh, good, it's a good right? number to be ahead, Jody. Forty three ain't gonna do you wrong. So that's good. <laughs> So tell me, so so race one was great. It was it was a draft and pass move to the line. It was an Aprilia that beat two Yamahas on the first day, and then the second day it was what Aprilia Yamaha Yamaha Aprilia. So yeah. they're evenly matched uh, overall, but definitely the Aprilia's got some legs when you get to the middle part of the straightaway. Yeah, well, definitely the Aprilia had a little bit of had a little bit of something over those two um, Cycletech. Uh, Yamahas that were that finished second and third. Rispoli came in and was a teammate to, uh, to Schultz this weekend, which was awesome. So um, it was fun to see James. He's riding all kinds of different bikes this year. I, I got a good chance to talk to Hayden Schultz a bunch. I think the biggest thing for me, Greg, honestly, was the distance that these 
three guys on the first day and four guys on the second, we're able to put over what I feel is a pretty talented field of Maziato and Blackman and Corey Ventura. How about Cody Wyman is doing this now too, which I think is great for Cody. And then talking to him after, he said, Jay, we're just kind of getting going on this thing. We made some setup changes on Saturday that worked for us on Sunday. Is it uh, so, the rest of the year uh, thing for Cody? I think or? it is. And I did ask him. Oh, I just can't remember. Cool. But I'm, I'm pumped for him on it. I think it's great mm-hmm. for Cody. And then, because he's already making plans for next year, what he wants to do. But, like, you look at guys like you know, Blake Davis, Ben Glotty was 10th. But they were, like, eight seconds back. I was really surprised at the gap difference between all of them. So, you know, going to Road America again, Greg, I think it's going to be – it's going to look like Daytona. It's gonna. There's gonna be ten of these guys. All, <laughs> oh, I think you're right. All hammering on each other. Um, don't forget at Road America, we got the baggers back. I think um, at, at Road A. So at Road America, we'll see those guys. Obviously, a big hotbed for Harley Davidson. So we'll see um, the likes of you know Kai Wyman, Tyler O'Hara, um, got all the other guys. You know, Travis is going to be there, obviously, on the Harley too. So we're going to see that battle kind of reinvigorated. I think at Road America. One last comment about Moto America and the weekend. The Royal Enfield build train race thing. It was a good yep. race, Jason. You watched it. It was I a lot of it. fun. <laughs> it was a lot yeah. of fun. There were some lead changes. There was a crash and everything. Kaylee, I think her name is Bike, B-U-Y-C-K. So Kaylee, I apologize. You know, I, that's kind of the way I, I would look at it. But she ends up winning by 2.3 seconds over Crystal Loy, who I think led for a little while, and Jessica yeah. Martin. Uh, it was the first run of that program this year. If you get to the Moto America races, come check out the Royal Enfield Semi because uh, the, some of the bikes are kick-ass. I mean, like, the bikes are similar in terms of the design. There's, like, you know, only suspension on them and, and these bits and pieces that they give these things. But they were creative on what they did in terms of, like, uh, the color <laughs> themes and the themes and everything else. I, I, I really like them. I'd like to ride one of those things. Just go out and, and see what it's like on oh, a racetrack God. someday. I'd face. like you to ride them against the girls and watch you get smoked. No, get That's my, get, what would be fun. Now, that would my, be entertaining. I might pay a ticket. Teeth to knocked that. in. Dude, are you kidding me? Yeah, you get your teeth knocked in. All right, Jay, let's go on to World Superbike because pff, you want to talk about a banger of a weekend. I mean, every freaking race, man. It was it was unreal. So, in race number one, remember, they have yep. two two long races and a, and a uh, Super Bowl super race, pole which is shorter. Race. All right, so in race one, which is Saturday, Bautista wins by .126 over Resgot Lioglu. And then Johnny Ray ends up 4.8 seconds back in race. And then Likawona. Likawona's in there. Locatelli, Lowe's in sixth. Redding, Rinaldi, Forres, and uh, Bassini. In yep. the Super Pole race, Ray wins by .174 over Asgatliaglu. Oh, my God. How that happened. Bautista in third. <laughs> Likawona, Locatelli, Lowe's in sixth. On race two, Ray wins by .194 of a second over Bautista and Rasgat Lioglu. Lowe's in fourth. Finally, we're seeing Alex Lowe's. At least, I hope it's not one race. I hope they figured something out because even though he finishes seven seconds behind, he was right there until about four laps to go, Lowe's was. Yeah, and he had some brake issues. and Alex He threw some shots. Yeah, he, he looked great. He looked great. And, and hopefully it's another confidence thing like, oh, that's right, I do belong here. Right. Locatelli, right. Lacawona, um for those interested, unfortunately, uh, our boy Garrett Gerloff had a huge high side, gouged his knee. I mean, like I heard to the bone, and he wasn't able to attend. But you know, hopefully that'll heal up and be back. If you watch, he comes straight down on his knees from a big oh, high side, and yeah, that was I think that the, these are the takeaways. All right, because oh. again, we're an hour and forty-five minutes into this thing almost. If you're not watching World Superbike, you're missing out. Oh my one. God. You Number are two, missing if you're out. not watching World Superbike without finding the results first, 
Because if I had to watch the races after knowing the results, like my counterpart here, <laughs> I would have never believed who was going to be winning these races to start with because I'd be like, wait, how is this guy going to win this race? In the first race, the biggest problem with Top Rack all weekend to me was he couldn't get off that last corner. I mean, Johnny was better, Batista was better, and in that race, the first one, uh, it got a little spicy between... Well, to be fair, Greg, if you watch the whole race, Top Rack and Johnny just kept tripping each other up and allowed Batista to catch him because they wouldn't have... Batista wouldn't have caught him, I don't think, if they would have just not hammered on each other for every single opportunity they had. It was just <laughs> hammer, 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 hammer. Uh, you and I watched the first race together, didn't we, on Saturday uh, Saturday night we when we got back to our house. Did. Which yep. we were laughing. like, And, um, so and we were calling it too, weren't we? We're in the middle of the race going, oh, you're letting this dude catch you. He's, we're, he's, we're like, what are you guys doing? Because like, he, Bautista came, I think ultimately he came from like fifth. And then yeah, just started like, chipping he was like, away, he was like chipping four away. seconds back. Yeah, and even the next day, our boy Stevie English was like, I think that there was some discussion between Top Rack and Johnny about, hey, we got, we got to rethink this a little bit because we're allowing this guy to catch us, right? So, it, the funny part is, is again, again, Stevie, Stevie says <laughs> he goes, I, it was something about neither one of these guys want the other guy to lead. It was such a profound comment at the right time, and it was said so perfectly. And it was like, you know, they didn't they didn't want the next guy to lead the next corner. They didn't care about the race. It was like, I don't want you Dude, leading the next corner. It was so, it was Hayes and Heron. It was, it was Hayes so, and Heron race Hayes too. It was the it was same great. same exact thing. Same same exact thing. No, I gotta lead. No, no, no. I'm leading. No, I, I, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pushing you out of the way. I'm pushing you out of the way. So the thing is, Greg, is that is that when you watch it, all three races were very distinctly different though, in the sense that the first race, Top Rack was coming to the line, he thought he was gonna win the race. The, the Ducati blasts past him, and you can see Top Rack, poor guy. You could see his dismay with that whole outcome. And, you know, he was pissed that the Ducati was so much quicker. Fair play to, to Batista. He's taken advantage of what he has. And, um, and, and you know, there's a lot of, there's other Ducatis in the, in the race that, that aren't doing what he's doing. So, full props. In the second race, in the Super Bowl race, oh, Top Rack. I mean, the save is insane. Again, if you haven't seen it, go pull up his social media, whatever. But Top Rack's save, a la Marquez. I think Marquez even made a comment about it. Yeah, I saw that. He He loses the front (laughs) so big. And the craziest part is, Johnny ends up getting by. This is three corners from the end. Top Rack had the race won. He loses the front. Johnny immediately strikes. I mean, Top Rack was taking another bite of the apple, wasn't he? Like, in the next corner. Like, I'm stuffing this guy right back. And they almost touched... (laughs) But again, Johnny was better out of the last corner than Top Rack. Top Rack really looked like he struggled out of that last corner. A big, long right-hander that I would I would believe is probably third gear on those superbikes. Don't know because I've never ridden there. Um, but it's long, it's fast, and it just looked like in the probably in the middle to higher RPMs on the exit of that corner, he couldn't get the bike out of the corner the way the Ducati and the Cowie could both do that. Uh, on new tires, he could because he could draft with those guys, and the the battling down into turn one was insane. And the third race, it was like all gloves off. Like it was Batista versus Ray. Ray followed him for basically the last five laps. Didn't look like he had anything for him. And in typical Johnny style, he was able to make a pass with three corners to go, make it stick to the line. And I said to him yesterday, I just put, make it stick to the line. You're not even I mean, doing the that last justice. corner. Did you hear Steve English? Um, oh did you hear him go, oh, like he, he made yeah, a comment like yeah. right in the middle of the, because <laughs> Johnny gets so sideways, outside leg comes off and I'm like, oh, oh he might be hosed now because the Dude, Ducati his outside leg him, comes but... off, he's full stick, 
and the thing is literally spinning sideways and you just didn't know if it was gonna high like he and he, he just yep. didn't look like he rolled out of it he was like all right we're just gonna go with this and see what happens i mean he didn't have like a tremendous amount of lean angle in that thing no, uh the way he had it stood up but i mean it was like it was pretty serious it was pretty serious I mean, and i want it, it i'd love it to be able to break this oh. Yeah, I'd love to be able to break all this down even more and talk about it. But like I said, we're so deep into this. But it's like those three guys. Now, Locatelli, we just we got to see those guys get closer. I thought it was a more positive weekend for Redding. We saw him a lot more kind of up there. How about Chabby Forrest? He took over for Odell. He was there doing Spanish television. Odell couldn't ride because he had a broken collarbone. He crashed, had a, broke his collarbone. And there's Chabby Forrest uh, to jump on the same bike that Baz jumped on last year. And he had some You're great kidding. results. No, so he's there. Exactly he's there doing Spanish TV. Spanish TV, yes. How do you even have his leathers? Well, apparently, and I read something about his brother cool. or brother-in-law or someone went somewhere and grabbed a bunch of stuff and then come. That cool, next, man. Yeah. So right it, was, it sounded so like cool. it was quite the story. I thought Alex Lowe's had a great weekend, like you said. He, he had a sixth and a fourth on Sunday. So um, look, do nice yourselves a Alex favor, by the way. Yeah. If you go to if you go to worldsbk.com. Mm -hmm. And you go to their video section, all right? So it's on the top. It says home news videos, and you click on it. Scroll to the bottom, and they have a whole category of free videos. And in their free videos, you're going to see, like, interviews. You'll see Top Rack Save, which was just unbelievable, how he saved the thing. And and, and the, the greatest thing about Top Rack Save in the Super Bowl race, Jay, was once he saved it, he was like, well, still racing. And he tried to stuff Johnny immediately. And they uh, showed unreal. the onboard it's of it. Unreal. And you were like, what the... And uh, anyway, and then they have like an entire round recap, which is like 45 minutes long. So you can, and, and they're free videos, so you don't have to subscribe. But go to the free video, check it out, because I guarantee you after this, you're going to want to subscribe to this thing because it, it's the, the racing is unreal. It's, yeah. and their junior, their the world super sport stuff is good. The, the, the world super sport races, each one, I think both those insane. races were insane. like held in misty conditions. Oh, just unreal. And, the second race Dominica to me, I was like, is in, my, ugh, my palms stud. were sweating, G-Dub, in the second race. I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. You had like one dude who came up from 16th and was right there in the in the mix. And because of the yeah, Kyle Smith. Yep. Kyle Smith. Like, I was like, dude, I can't even believe they're racing. I mean, there's just mist everywhere. It wasn't rain, rain, but still. And Dominica yeah. is just like, it's no problem. Just, just go. he's smarter than everybody. Race crafts. Experience. Yeah. You watch him. Yeah, the yeah. guy is like, he just sits there and he just does his thing and he just is like, yeah, he just does his thing. So is, he, is that guy ready for a superbike next year? Yeah, but see, I had this discussion with Steve English about it, and it's an interesting topic. And you, maybe you and I will talk about it because, yeah, he's ready. But what is he thirty something now, and kind of got yeah. spat out of MotoGP? And there's a whole persona about that. And like, you know, is Dominic Agurda the guy that's going to take Top Rack's place? I mean, would you put your money on that? You know, it's just it's so it, rightfully he deserves it by what he's done in the class right below. Like I tell you, I mean, got come it on. right. The guy wins yeah. all the time. So like you sit there and you go, God, put Dominic Agur, and he's got superbike experience. Like Stevie reminded me, even though I, you know, I'm pretty on top of the Suzuka stuff on the on the very famous 634 bike over in Suzuka Eight Hour. Dominic Agur is very very fast on that Honda superbike. So it's like an official Honda that it, and he flies on it, and he'll probably be back over there racing there. I would I would determine on August seventh, like you said, the Eight Hour is going to happen this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Agur is riding that motorbike again. But is he deserving? Yeah, and also. You know, it's like let's not keep let's not keep this out of the room. Top Rack hasn't won a race this year. That's insane to me. Like, Top not Rack only has hasn't he not won a, won a race. Jay, he's like way behind in the points. Like, I well, think because he's he had that more... that injury at, or that thing at Aston that happened. Yeah. Um, and you know, the thing is, is you got to look at all of it, and you got to think, 
you know, I know he's going to go ride the MotoGP bike, but like, what are the MotoGP, you know, they, they've got such this, this persona of what a MotoGP rider is and top rack at the end of last year, doing what he did and beating the best guy that's ever thrown a leg over a superbike in the history of superbikes. That's my opinion. Again, um, Top Rex stock was so high. Now he hasn't won a race this year. What's the MotoGP paddock saying now? You know, like, oh, you know, what are they saying? So it's that whole thing is going to be interesting. Listen, we've got Mugello coming up this weekend. MotoGP is at a place that Greg has been and I've never been. So it makes me hate him a little bit. Um, but I'm excited. Which warms to see. my heart. We got MotoGP at Mugello. We got opening round of round one from Fox Raceway here in California at Pala. All. I'm hearing is how fast and how good Dungey looks after five years. Has it been five years since he retired? Has it been five years? No. Has it? No, it can't be. Three years? I thought I saw Greg. I thought it was three. When did did I have him on the? Well, we had him on the podcast, remember? Because he kind of just retired. Beginning of the year. Or last year year or something. Maybe it was last year. I bought some of his coffee, which was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was probably last year. I think yeah. it was last year because he started the coffee thing and stuff. I mean, he's a good dude. He's got maybe the we can Jude convince thing him to get on. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't Tony forget, Crowley's fantasy MotoGP there, yeah. fantasy. Go to go to fantasy.motogp.com. We're giving away an Arai helmet of your choice, a yep. Corsair X, and uh, you can join our league, the Greg's Garage Pod League, uh, with Jason and I, and we can and play up and, and we have some fun and. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you stink. So Jason's not having any fun. I just I'm- stink. I need, I need. You know what? I actually know what my placing is. And next week when we draw for the Moto America Live Plus Pass, mm-hmm. I might just accidentally do that. I mean, at least I got to win something. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I could Good. say that. I'm, my gl- I'm glad you said. I'm glad you said something. So now I'm gonna have you pick. So- I'm gonna have you pick in a different way. I have to come up with something because now you're not picking number one through 325 or we're, we're up to a little bit more than that. I'm not having <laughs> I'm on the do top that. end of that, by the way. I'm on the top end of that. I stink at that. So anyways, but I got Uncle yeah. Skip's League I'm not doing bad at and I'm beating Carruthers, which is always positive. And so yeah, I, I forgot to pick last thing. week or last time hey, too. See that? I got, yeah. For all of you that are hour and 52 minutes into this with GW and I, thanks for listening. We love it. What, what are you going to say on. now? I just want to get I started, out of here. I started recording, and then you went to the bathroom. Like so, it was like we're like I did 10 not. minutes. I didn't. It's like no. we started. No, I re- hit record, the and then you go. I got to go to the bathroom, and so like it's not actually. We've only been talking for I don't know, maybe an hour and forty something minutes, not one fifty two. I've recorded for All like five minutes or. Well, thank 10 thank minutes. you for everybody did, that's did been you, sticking around for an hour. Did you do plus. number two? Did you go do number two? Because maybe it was ten minutes idiot. long. You're huh? such an idiot. You're, You're an number idiot. two in my book. Yeah. Well, listen, everyone out there, thanks for listening to us talking and jabbering away. Obviously, you can find us on our social media outlets that I hardly look at, but G-Dub's on probably every five minutes of his days. Oh, yeah. I actually and, just attach it to my bow, so when I'm shooting, I can look at yeah, Instagram. Doesn't surprise me. G-Dub, good luck being Robin Hood this week. Good luck with Thank that. You. Guess where I'm headed. I'm actually got to get out. I'm actually going to try to swing a golf club after six weeks because I'm... Not been the happiest person in the last three, four weeks. So good luck. Yeah, gonna go have a go, and and then I'm gonna go ride with the boys on Mon- Sunday, Monday with Let's Ride Track Days at Button Willow. Gonna go ride oh, with Simon and David and Moshe and Wes. Moshe, Moshe. cool, my boy. So yeah, it's gonna be good. And thanks everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your race weekend. <laughs>